0: time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap
1: with Jason Page starts now.
0: Wednesday edition of the Sports Wrap is off and running. Jason's got the day off. I am the Prince of Picks. Sam Yarnell in for him today. We got a great show coming up. J.J. Beal AM sports writer, AM NY sports writer, excuse me, joins us in segment one. We'll break down all of the NBA action coming up just a few days away from the start of the NBA season. And lots and lots of news coming out of the league to get to with JJ. Then we'll talk a little bit of baseball. The Phillies, man, they are a very, very good team. And they remind me of a team that won a championship not that long ago. We'll get into that. In segment two, and we'll wrap it up with some news and notes out of the NFL today. Lots and lots going on as the new league week gets started, and we got a big game coming up tomorrow between the Jags and the Saints, but some new contract signings today, some injury updates, and a big, big surgery in the AFC South. We'll get into all of that today on the Sports Wrap, but I want to start things off bringing my close personal friend and AM New York sports writer J.J. Beal to talk some NBA and JJ, it's shaping up to be a pretty good season, or at least it looks like it should
1: be in the league this year. Yeah, has anything happened this offseason? I mean, it's been been pretty uneventful, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, it wasn't like the Portland Trailblazers traded their star player who they've been threatening to trade or flirting with trading for the past half decade, seemingly, since the last since that horrible Western Conference finals loss. Let's start with that. So Dame to the Bucks. What are the expectations for the Bucs this year? You've known me for a long time. You know that I don't necessarily have the best gauge when it comes to the NBA. Being a Washington Wizards fan, I don't necessarily understand basketball as well as everybody, some may say. What is the expectation for the Bucs this year? Is Damon Giannis the best duo in the NBA?
1: I think we one could definitely make that argument this year, and I think what most people aren't talking about is the ramifications this has on the Bucks franchise long term. Because Giannis was speaking all off season on how he wasn't sure if Milwaukee was going to be in his future plans, and how he wants to be on a championship contender every single year, and the Bucks weren't going to be that. They weren't projected to be that, and now they swung for the fences. They bring in Dame Lillard. And now this is the championship. This is a championship contender, and so Giannis is going to stay in Milwaukee long term. Now there's no doubt about that. And bringing in Dame Lillard, it makes them absolutely the most dynamic duo in the NBA. I don't know how you guard a pick and roll between Giannis and Dame. I mean, that is by far going to be the most unstoppable play in the NBA this year.
0: So it brings up a good question, though. Do you think Giannis stays with the Bucs for the entirety of his career? Because the Bucs totally mortgaged their future. They gave up almost every piece of draft capital they had for the next, like, five years to orchestrate this trade. Does Giannis stay in Milwaukee past the time he and Dame play together, regardless of whether they win a championship or not?
1: I think think so. I think this trade... Confirm that, um, and kind of confirm their relationship long term. To where, Jan- they've they've made all these moves for Giannis. So if if the time comes, then Giannis is going to be their guide no matter what. I mean, they Chris Middleton is back. Robin Lopez also now signed with Brooke Lopez. So the Lopez uh, uh, brothers are back together. It's they're they're going to be a really solid team this year. And long-term, yes, they mortgage their future, but they're in win-now mode, which, you know, it seems to be like a race for arms in the Eastern Conference at this point to see who can be in win-now mode the most. Um, but yeah, I think long-term, I I don't think you can even worry about that right now if you're a Bucks fan. I think what you're worried about are the next two or three years uh, where Dame is still somewhat going to be in his prime and can give you kind of the best the best basketball he has left.
0: I wanted to stay in the Eastern conference because it really is going to be competitive this year to say the least. Uh, The Knicks, the big story last season, obviously you're in New York writing uh, about the NBA nationally, but also about New York sports are are the Knicks here to stay. Is Jalen Brunson him?
1: So yes, I, I guess so. I guess Jalen Brunson is him. Uh, But You know, the Knicks as a team, I feel like they're they're in a terrible spot for where this Eastern Conference is right now because they're not exactly contenders. They're not, you know, they're not gonna beat the Celtics, the Bucks, or the Heat. Like they're not they're not on that tier. But they're also not bad. So they're just in this kind of weird purgatory to where yes, they're gonna they might win a first round playoff matchup depending on who they match up against. But then you have other teams like the Cavaliers who are Probably better than them. So you look at this Knicks team as a whole, and they have so many exciting young players. I mean, you have Miles McBride. You have Emmanuel Quickly. They have so many young dynamic guards paired with Julius Randle, paired with Mitchell Robinson. They're a really solid team. Yet, it's really tough to imagine them competing in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like you can't, do you see this team competing in the Eastern Conference Finals? Like that, that just doesn't sound right. The New York Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals, that, that just doesn't work.
0: Uh, Does RJ Barrett stay? Is RJ Barrett going to finally mature into that piece that they need him to be, to become a team that plays in the Eastern Conference Finals, or does he end up on another team by the end of the season?
1: I could definitely see him on another team by the end of the year. Um, I think long term he, he won't be with the Knicks. I think someone else is gonna throw him a bag someone like the Washington Wizards, someone like the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know those teams that can kind of throw money around and are willing to have the cap space to take a shot on a talent like Barrett. I think he's a very talented player, but I don't see him I don't see him being with the Knicks long term.
0: You're throwing him around with the Wizards, man. Him, Jordan Poole, and Kyle Kuzma. That's a big three if I've ever heard one. Uh, Uh, Let's get into the Western Conference now. LeBron James seems like he's never going to retire. You know, one of the statistical leaders in the NBA last year, and he's going into this year as the league's oldest player. Are the Lakers still contenders? I know that they've completely revamped their team. You look at the the championship team, I think they have four players that are the same. Anthony Davis says he's going to play 82 games this year. How realistic is that, and how much of contenders are the Lakers?
1: So I do think the Lakers are legitimate contenders. Anytime you have LeBron James on your team, you are a legitimate contender. However, I, I mean, if Anthony Davis wants to play 82 games this year, then, like, you could you could say that you want to date a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Like, yes, it, you want to do it, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but you look at this team as a whole, I mean, Anthony Davis agreed to a three-year extension, but they bring in Rui Hachimura, former Wizards. We know that they run this league, according to you. Uh, but also bring in Jared Vanderbilt, Gabe Vincent, and Christian Wood. I mean, these are going to be serious players that, have, that will revamp this roster. I mean... Gabe Benson wreaked havoc on the Celtics last year. He's going to be a real difference maker for this Lakers team. Really, the the spark that they were missing last year. I mean, the, the Lakers team last year was a team filled with holes. But the pieces that they brought in this year with Christian Wood, Jared Vanderbilt, I mean, bringing back D'Angelo Russell, there's really nothing much more you could ask for as a Lakers fan and, you know, kind of building for this last push with LeBron uh, at the helm. You're telling
0: me a team whose fourth leading scorer was Russell Westbrook had massive holes in it? No way!
1: Yeah, believe I mean, it or not. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's a good point, though. I, I, the Lakers are a very interesting situation this year. And so let me let me ask you this question about the Lakers. How do they maintain LeBron when Bronny's in the NBA? I know it's far off, and with the whole Bronny injury at USC, like there's a chance it doesn't even happen, but LeBron has openly said that he wants to play with Bronny. How do the Lakers make sure that they keep LeBron, stay in the championship window, and get Bronny, draft him or sign him, whatever the case may be?
1: I think at that point, if you're the Lakers, I think you look to trade LeBron. I, I don't think that you try to draft Bronny. I think whatever team drafts Bronny is going to set their team back significantly just to get two years of LeBron and to sell tickets. So if I'm the Lakers, I wait to see where Bronny goes, and then if LeBron wants to get traded there, then you you send pieces there and you get you get pieces back. Um, so I much I much rather see the end of LeBron's career playing off with a different team and the Lakers using those pieces that they get from a LeBron trade to kind of start their rebuild themselves. It's
0: very interesting. Uh, in the Western Conference, the biggest story for me that I've noticed going into this season has got to be the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've got an electric team. They've got great young talent, and they've had young talent for a couple of years now, but now they've got all this draft capital, I, and I I have the tweet saved somewhere. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. They've got like four first-round picks for each of the next three seasons, Uh How good are the Thunder going to be for how long, JJ? And are they a team that we could consider a championship contender this year or next year?
1: This Thunder team is an absolute delight. Uh, My favorite team in the Western Conference by far, just with the pieces that they have. I mean, you got guys like Chet Holmgren, you know, just everyone that they've brought in so far. And then you look to the future, too, and they have all of this draft capital. So not only can they make these picks and take advantage of these picks, but they can also make moves for superstars, too. I think it's 15 first-round picks in the next five seasons and then 22 second-round picks. It's something absurd like that. But it's, it's the perfect rebuild. It is the perfect rebuild. They have all of the flexibility in the world. They have young, exciting players. If if you're a fan of the Oklahoma City Thunder right now, you could not be more excited. Not only about this season, but you know five or six seasons down the road, you know you're set up for success, and you've already started to hit on some of these draft picks. I mean, guys like Shea Gilgis, Alexander, one of you know could be one of an All NBA player this year. Just an absolute delight of a team, and just so entertaining. They just play fun basketball
0: you mentioned two Oklahoma city thunder players and neither of them were Josh Giddy. Like my goodness, that's how much fun that team is to me. Josh Giddy is, is awesome. Another example of a player that they hit on in the draft. Yeah. The thunder, the thunder are great, man. I, I love the thunder. Got to finish, not finish, but I got to get to your Celtics. I didn't tell you, I was going to ask you this question because I needed the raw reaction. So For the listeners out there, J.J. and I have known each other for years. We actually lived together for a short time, and when we lived together, we lived with a couple of other guys who are also big NBA fans. I, notoriously not the hugest NBA fan, but there was a common theme that I got. So there was one guy we lived with who was a big Oregon Ducks fan, and J.J. being a big Celtics fan, they bonded over Peyton Pritchard, obviously. Peyton Pritchard gets a huge contract this offseason, J.J., I gotta what are your thoughts on it? How does it improve the Celtics? Are the Celtics hands down the number one team in the NBA this year? Are they better than the Nuggets? What are your thoughts on on Boston heading into the season with a specific angle on the Peyton Pritchard
1: contract? Huge is certainly a generous word for the Peyton Pritchard contract. Um I would say tradable is the best way to describe <laughs> okay. that contract. Okay. Um yeah, I mean, that—that that is no knock on Peyton Pritchard at all. Peyton Pritchard is going to be a tremendous player, and he has shown that when he gets more consistent minutes and he's able to get into a rhythm, he can be a very clear backup point guard in the NBA and maybe even a starting point guard on certain teams. Um, you, I mean, you've already seen it in the preseason. He has a quicker trigger now more than ever. He has limitless range. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to see what Peyton Pritchard can do on the Celtics team as a reserve guard now that he gets consistent minutes, and you know looking at the Celtics as a whole, depth can certainly be a question for this team. Um, you know when you have a, such a clearly defined top six, um, but guys like Peyton Pritchard, guys like Sam Hauser. Those are guys, or Luke Cornett, guys that need to kind of give you those minutes in the regular season. When you're playing against the Sacramento Kings on a Tuesday night, like you, you need guys, you need guys to fill minutes. Yeah. So it's those, like that's where Peyton Fritchard is going to shine because he's he's just going to go out there and he's he's a baller, man. He's a competitor. He's a uh, he's he gets better every single season, and he just hasn't been able to really show those flashes because he, those minutes haven't been there. But, that, but now those minutes are going to be there. So a new contract, more minutes, I could see this being a breakout year for, for Peyton Pritchard.
0: How does the defense for the Celtics evolve, losing key defensive pieces in the offseason? Uh, it's been one of their strong suits over the past couple of years, and obviously you and I talked about it a little bit in the preseason. Their offense has looked so different, and is that how they compensate for the new defense?
1: I think their defense is going to be better than ever, honestly. I think it's, it's, there's never been more flexible than they are right now with the pieces that they have. I mean, you have the backcourt is going to put anyone in Alcatraz between Drew Holiday and Derek White. Those are two of the best defenders in the NBA right now. And, you know, you add Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to that makes two guys that take pride in their defense. And now I feel like people aren't talking enough about how Joe Mazzulla has had a whole offseason to kind of watch film. People forget that he was thrown into the head coach's job right. about two weeks before the season started. And he mm-hmm. had assistant coaches that were mad at him and didn't thought that they, he didn't deserve the job, and so they weren't really helping him because as soon as they got a chance to leave, they immediately ran. Mm-hmm. So you look at this Celtics roster now and you look at the Celtics coaching staff too, they were able to bring in guys like Sam Cassell this offseason, former players that have lots of respect for you know that demand current respect from current players right now so I think that having a full coaching staff that's fully on board with Missoula's vision and Missoula finally having a full off season to kind of you know gather his bearings and make his adjustments and everything I think that Missoula is going to be could be a coach of the year candidate for sure Um, and I think that, you know, the Celtics defense is only going to follow that. You know, you have elite rim protector and Kristaps Porzingis. So that just lets guys like Drew Holiday and Derek White push up even further on their guys because they know if they get beat, then you have, you know, Kristaps, Al Horford, and Jason Tatum coming in there to protect the rim.
0: Yeah, that's that their lineup is stacked, man. Like I I did not realize until you were just throwing out those names, just a guy off there. They might win a guy off if you're having a guy off in the NBA. Uh, All right. Got to get you out of here on this, JJ. You know, I am a Wizards fan living in basketball purgatory for the last better part of 20 years. Tell me something nice about the Wizards. They look like the worst team in the NBA.
1: Look, there has never been a better time to tank in the Eastern Conference than right now. You don't you don't want to be in basketball purgatory in the Eastern Conference right now. You would rather be a rebuilding team and a team that's building towards something than a team like the Knicks and the Cavs. Like I would say if you're a Wizards fan, I would say that you are in a better position to succeed in the future than a team like the Knicks or the Nets. You know, it's it's a team that is certainly young. Um, but the flexibility is there, and you don't want to compete now because you're not beating the Bucks, You're not beating the Celtics. You're not hanging not. with the Heat. No. Who wants to do that? No one wants to do that. You want to wait five years down the line when these teams don't have their draft picks or anything, and then who comes, who comes swooping in? Jordan Poole and the Washington <laughs> Wizards.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's J.J. Beal. He does a great job at AMNY Sports. Check out all of his work over there. J.J., thanks for breaking down the NBA for us, man. We'll get you back on the show real soon.
1: Of course. Always a pleasure, Sam.
0: On the other side of this short break, going to get into the baseball. The Phillies, they're an electric factory. We'll talk all about it. Uh, I think they're going to the World Series and I think they might have a matchup with the Texas Rangers in order. We'll talk about the game coming up tonight as well. We'll get into news and notes in the NFL after that. It's the Sports Wrap on this Wednesday. Wednesday edition of the Sports Wrap rolls on. Thank you so much to JJ Beal From AM New York Sports, talking to Jason in the break. He goes, he looks like a young JJ Redick. Those of you watching the video version of the pod will be able to relate. I don't know. Jury's still kind of out. I can see it for sure. I could see like Duke JJ. I could see like Duke JJ Redick. I could see it. If you put him in a a Duke 4 jersey, you could sell me. You could sell me on that. Thanks to JJ. We'll get him back on the show. Great, great talk about NBA and all the action coming up on the hardwood here in a couple of weeks. All right, let's get into the baseball because I got a bone to pick this Phillies team. As much as I hate the Phillies and I Homer hate the Phillies, I will be the first to come out and say it, but this Phillies team is absolutely electric that it's as simple as that. They've got great hitting. Their pitching has stepped up when they needed to, which to me was the biggest question coming into this postseason was could their pitching do it? We knew their offense had the potential to get hot, and they have right at the right time. But their pitching has stepped up in a major way. This is a Phillies team who, if you remember back in May, early June, We had questions. We had big questions about the Phillies. Are they even a wildcard contender anymore? Now here they are up to nothing in the NLCS. What a turnaround. The Phillies are splendid, wonderful. Trying to think of more great adjectives to use for this outstanding team. I like the Phillies a lot. Kyle Schwarber. Is maybe the most interesting case of them all. I know there's the Nick Castellanos. Obviously, you've got your Bryce Harper's, your your star of the show, your Mister. I've been on the front page of Sports Illustrated since I was 15, but I still choke in big moments. Kyle Schwarber with a two home run night last night as the Phillies go on to win 10 nothing. Oh, 10 nothing. And they didn't score after the 7th. It wasn't like, oh, 8th inning, tack on 5 runs. 10 nothing, and the D-backs had to sit through it. And it was early and often for the Phillies. Trey Turner with the 1st inning home run. 2nd batter of the game, by the way. How about Trey Turner? I think his OPS is above 1,200 this postseason. Uh, or, I'm sorry, in the postseason in a Phillies uniform. So that encompasses last season as well. Regardless, what an acquisition that was. This is a take that I've been sitting on for a few days. And I wanted for it, I I wanted for the situation to be right for me to be able to come out and say it. But this Phillies team reminds me of the 2019 Nationals, which reminded me of many other championship teams. But this is just the latest one. And it seems like it's becoming a trend in baseball. As I mentioned, right, we were concerned about the Phillies early in the summer, late in the spring. We were we were materially concerned, thought that it may be time to do something in Philadelphia. Then they have a magical turnaround, completely do a 180, get into the wild card, not sneak in, won't say sneak in, they weren't the Marlins, gosh. And then they rock the Marlins. Um... You draw parallels between these great teams in baseball. And I think that there are many between of this Phillies team and any championship team that you want to look at. They've 100% gotten their bats hot at the right time, which is what it takes to win championships, right? Teams who score, they also get out, like I said, early and often on the offense. Teams who score first in this postseason are 19-7. and seven. The Philadelphia Phillies are great at scoring first. Teams who out-homer their opponents in this postseason are 17 and two. The Phillies out-homer opponents like nobody's business. That's all they do is hit home runs. It's the only way they score runs. I shouldn't say that. JT Realmuto with a beautiful gap, uh, double last night. Two-run, two-run double, I believe it was in the left center field gap, which gap-to-gap gap hitting. You ask me as a former baseball player, gap-to-gap hitting is the most beautiful thing. Way more pretty than a 475-foot pulled homer. Agreed. (laughs) This Phillies team is an electric factory. I said it in the tease coming into this segment. They're only getting better. They're getting better every game. There is a narrative that's been created that uh, Citizens Bank Park is, is some outrageous postseason environment. That's tired. It's not true. Uh, people who watched the Dodgers play in the World Series in 2017 uh, or 2018, I guarantee that Dodger Stadium was louder than Citizens Bank Park during both of those World Series. Uh, just just seeing the videos uh on social media from in that stadium the deafening noise you look at other big stadiums with big fan bases right I, I would bet you that boston in 2018 during that miraculous world series run when they were one of the best teams maybe in baseball history uh i bet you fenway park was rocking more than citizens bank park was you're going to tell me that uh even ga- you go back 15 years, Yankee Stadium in 09, I would even argue, was probably louder than Citizens Bank Park this year, let alone that year. That all said, postseason baseball does 100% bring about an environment that we all need to appreciate, respect, and probably give more flowers to because I don't think that we quite respect the difference in baseball between regular season and postseason play so much. But that's a story and an argument for a different day, and Jason and I can talk about that when he's back on the show because I'm sure his opinion probably differs from mine. To the Phillies. If you want to bet on the World Series right now, the Phillies are the best team to bet on. You're going to have the most fun. I'm not even looking at the odds in front of me. I'm just telling you. You're going to have the most fun. You're going to be rooting for the best team, and at the end of the day, you got the best shot to win. Because right now, just from a baseball perspective, not from a numbers perspective or an analytics perspective, but from a from a, the game of baseball perspective, the Philadelphia Phillies are a clear-cut and obvious winner of, of this year's World Series. It, it's not particularly close for me. I think the Diamondbacks will get a game in this series. I don't know when it will come, whether it will be game three or four but they will get at least one at home. Don't think they're going to get much more than that. I'm pretty confident in a gentleman's sweep in this series. Now to the other league, to the American League, because that's where this all gets a little hairy for me. By the way, if the Phillies win, it will be the second time in Phillies history that they've played in the World Series back-to-back years against teams from the same division. Right, So in 08 and 09, the Phillies played in the World Series against the Rays and then against the Yankees. And in 22-23, they played against the Astros in 22, and it would either be the Rangers or the Astros in 23. Just a little interesting tidbit about this upcoming World Series should the Phillies make it. To the game coming up tonight and who the Phillies could play, or the Diamondbacks, but let's be realistic here on the Sports Wrap. Astros Rangers tonight in Arlington. Christian Javier and Max Scherzer. He's back. And that that's got to be the story of this game. Max Scherzer coming back after the season that he's had the roller coaster of emotions that it's been. Think about where this season started in Port St. Lucie getting ready for a World Series with the Mets. The Mets who just let Jacob deGrom go and replaced him With Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, this loaded pitching staff. Ready to chase a World Series again. To where we are at the deadline. The Mets in fourth, struggling for fourth place. Battling with the Washington Nationals for who will be the worst team in the month of July. I think the answer was the Mets just saying. They deal him. Where? To the team where DeGrom went. How electric. Despite DeGrom not being... Available for the rest of the season, obviously, Tommy John back in, gosh, April, May, early. He had Tommy John early this year. Which is a side note to the fact that the Rangers making it this far and doing as well as they have, especially in this series, is even more a testament to how impressive that roster is. Jacob deGrom was supposed to be their ace. Who became their ace? Nate Yavaldi. Are you kidding me? The dude who was a playoff bust in not one, but two different cities has become the ace of a team up to nothing in the ALCS. It's an incredible turnaround. Max Scherzer gets the, gets the nod tonight for the Rangers against Christian Javier. Javier was good early in the season. So was Scherzer. Scherzer. We know who he is in the playoffs. He struggles in the playoffs and he struggles mightily in the playoffs, whether it's, and there are a lot of theories about why this might happen with this particular pitcher. I personally subscribe to the one that he is an all-out, all-the-time guy, and you have him throw so many innings during the regular season, his body, no human body, but his, is not built to take the stress of postseason pay- baseball at the at the level that he pitches at. Which is all well and good, but does that change now? Are we seeing a new, or not new, but different Max Scherzer? Are we going to see regular season Max Scherzer, the one who normally comes back from short injury stints to medium injury stints and shoves? Because if we are, then maybe what I just said about the Phillies is completely wrong, and we need to start talking about the Texas Rangers. That's how important this game tonight is. Because if the Astros win behind Christian Javier, who was one of their better pitchers, Through the first half of the season as a Cy Young favorite, there for a little bit, and then fell off mightily in the second half. If they get a game in Arlington on the road, game back in this series, make it two to one heading into game four, you might start thinking about the Houston Astros going back to the World Series, and then we're looking at a rematch of the Phillies and the Astros. My goodness. This game tonight to me decides the series. We know the odds of coming back from down three nothing. And of course, there's a great hero story to be had, but realistically, it's never gonna happen. 2 1 is a totally different story. If the Astros win tonight, I-, I might even I might even like them in the series. Down 2 1. It's it's a nuanced way to look at this game, but I think the best bet on this game has got to be the total, and it's something that a week ago, Max Max Scherzer, (laughs) Matt Stryker, our good friend over at MLB Network and Sports Grid, came on the show and told us about. The best way to bet some of these playoff games is the total, and when you look at Christian Javier and Max Scherzer, despite how bad this Texas Rangers bullpen is Ben, and I know Jason every day talks about how the implosion is coming. The implosion is coming. He's like Ben Revere with the British, but with the Rangers bullpen implosion. And I know that it will come. I agree with him on that. Heraldis Chapman. Heraldis Chapman. Geraldus <laughs> Chapman. Goodbye. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it implodes tonight. I think the under nine is the safe play in this game. I think this game is three, two. I don't know who wins, but runs are going to go a long way in this one. You're getting the under and Even money right now. You don't have to lay any juice. I might think about Scherzer's over K prop. It's four and a half for both pitchers right now. You actually get plus money. If you take Javier's might think about that Jerry and Louisville, that is not a registered play yet. I repeat to Jerry in Louisville, we are not officially registering Scherzer over four and a half Ks, but it's out there. It's on the table. For the record, he texted uh, yesterday into our our defunct text line to say that he was happy with his Cowboys pick that he gave. (laughs) All right, Jerry, you're going to make me do it. I'll give out a pick. This is a small unit, mini unit, micro unit play. For Jerry and Louisville, everybody out there, Jonah Heim home run plus 630 or thereabout at whatever sports book you're shopping at. Because when Sam hosts the cash in, there is no official sports book because no free ads. But if there's a sports book out there that wants to get me to use their lines, I'd be more than happy to. You're getting a Heim home run at just about six to one tonight. I love it. Jonah Heim hits righties well. Christian Javier. It hasn't been great in the second half of the season about keeping the ball in the yard. Love Jonah Heim homer. Really bad juice on all the home run bets tonight, so I had to go through it and kind of find a good one. But Jonah Heim, we're riding with it. Jerry and Louisville, Jonah Heim run. Let's do it. No team has ever come back to win an LCS after losing the first two games at home. That's what I got to end this segment with. Because at the end of the day, what does this Astros team do? What have the Astros done for carry the one, eight years now? They've defied every norm in baseball, right? Their best second baseman in the MLB is five foot four, and he hits tanks. They cheat. They steal signs. They lie about it. They've gone through a zillion managers, seemingly. The Astros don't do anything the way that it was necessarily intended to be done. So the fact that no team has ever done this only makes me think the Astros are going to do it more. If they win tonight, I like the Astros in the series. I like the Heim home run tonight. I like the under in the game. Think about the Scherzer K prop. Jerry and Louisville, I'll meet you at the window. We'll come back on the other side and wrap it up with NFL news and notes. Huge new signing uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles adding to their wide receiving core yesterday. The Dolphins may be getting a huge piece back on defense in the coming weeks. And there's some beef between the Lions and the 49ers. We're into it all on the other side. Wednesday edition of the Sports Wrap rolls on. Talking some NFL news and notes. Thanks again, uh, J.J. Beal, AM New York sports writer, for joining us earlier. I am Sam Yarnell, in for Jason Page today. Jason's back tomorrow, as he usually is. We'll go through the Thursday night football game. All right. Jalen Ramsey's back with the Dolphins. Before we get to that, let me get to the Anthony Richardson thing, because I don't want to talk about the Dolphins yet. Anthony Richardson went through shoulder surgery or is undergoing shoulder surgery either today or this week. He's out for the season. It's horrible. Uh, If the Colts can somehow make the postseason, there's a chance he plays then, I guess is my understanding. There's a chance... If they even do with Gardner Minshew. So his season's over. It's done. It's over. It was a good rookie season. It lasted what four games? Uh with a concussion in there. Anthony Richardson was a great fantasy quarterback for four games. Uh and I was really happy with it. I don't know what we're gonna do now. Because, like, I'm sure there's someone out there who can relate. There was there's one fantasy team I have. Anthony Richardson's the only quarterback I got. I didn't take a backup. It's a high stakes league. We all went for skill players. Now I got nobody. I got to like pick up Josh Dobbs off the waiver wire. I don't know I don't know what we're going to do. Anthony Richardson's out for the season. I'm sorry Colts fans. It looked like you had a good one. And right as you get Jonathan Taylor back too. This sucks. That it's There's nothing more to say to it than that. In Indianapolis right now, this just sucks. Like, there was so much promise with this team. Zach Moss looked like an all-pro running back behind that offensive line for five weeks. Now you get Jonathan Taylor, who actually is an all-pro running back, back into that lineup. And you got to put them all behind Gardner Minshew. Don't get me wrong, no hate on Gardner Minshew. He's a very nice guy, very down-to-earth human being, was lucky enough to meet him a couple of times, but he's not a championship quarterback. Not that Anthony Richardson is, but Anthony Richardson's got a better shot of being one. It was a good season, Colts fans. Now it's time to tank for Brock Bowers. I guess you need a tight end. I don't even know if Brock Bowers is eligible for the draft. I think he is. I think he's a junior. Tough, tough news for Anthony Richardson out of Indianapolis today. Jalen Ramsey's back with the Dolphins. They opened his 21-day window, twenty-one day window to return from IR today. And this is going to be a big one. Because when you look at that Dolphins secondary, what of the Dolphins... When you think about the Dolphins' losses this year, loss, what do they struggle against the Bills? Stopping Stephon Diggs. They couldn't stop Stephon Diggs. They couldn't stop the whole Bills wide receiving core, but having a nickel corner on Stephon Diggs did not help them at all. Getting Jalen Ramsey back solves that problem. And as a Bills backer, as a Bills supporter, as a Bills better, I'm nervous. I'll say it. I think that the Dolphins' defense is going to get a lot more real with Jalen Ramsey back. I was expecting them to not get him back until Week 10, Week 11. Getting Jalen Ramsey back is almost makes up for losing your left tackle. You never know. But they're going to be a good team. They've got Ramsey. They'll get A-Chan back. The Dolphins, the Do- I'm coming around on the Dolphins, and that's that's not good. That is not a good thing, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want this guy to come around on the Dolphins, because that means they might actually be a real team. Excuse me. <laughs> the Dolphins the Dolphins may be on my uh maybe on my contenders my contenders list for the first time next week. We may we may have to throw them in there. They they may be contenders with Jalen Ramsey back. Guy's a three-time All-Pro. He's he's won a Super Bowl. That's the thing with the Dolphins. They, You, know, you look outside of Tyreek Hill, no one else on that team really knows how to win in the postseason. They get Jalen Ramsey back. Now they do. Now they have a leader on both sides of the ball who can win in the postseason. We don't want you, you on know. our Dolphins bandwagon. Go away. <laughs> I'm not hopping on the bandwagon, and I do not think that they will beat the Bills. However, they could get to the Super Bowl without having to. You're hedging. Uh, I like the Dolphins. I'm starting to like the Dolphins. Jalen Ramsey's a big piece. If the Dolphins can figure out that defense, they'll be a contender. They will. Julio Jones signed with the Eagles yesterday. This means absolutely nothing. If you think this means something, it doesn't. Uh, He's eye candy. He's not going to be a significant role in this offense. Um, You look at the pass catchers in that offense, and there's a plethora of them, right? They have depth. Uh, barring an, an insane injury in that Philadelphia offense. I don't see Julio Jones getting a significant target share. Uh, it's pretty much a ring chasing move on its face to me. It looks, it seems like he just wanted a few extra weeks to get in shape this season and sign with whatever team looked like it was going to be the best. Ah, Julio Jones doesn't mean anything. I don't think Julio Jones becomes a viable option in fantasy. I don't think we're looking at major Julio Jones props in terms of scoring a touchdown. There may be points where we actually look at his under receptions prop just because there's only one football in that offense. You can't throw it to more than one person. And when you got guys like Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, you know, even out of the backfield, you look at guys like Miles Sanders and you got pass catchers throughout that offense, Dallas Goddard. Uh, the ball's got to get spread around. The Julio Jones move isn't really a needle mover for me in Philadelphia. Next story's a little bit weirder. I didn't see this one coming at all. And I guess it makes sense when you think about it, but there's real beef between the Lions and the 49ers. I I don't know if any of you saw C.J. Gardner-Johnson, C.J. G.J., He was on, it must have been Instagram Live or or TikTok Live or something. And he goes on and starts rapping about Debo Samuel. He says Debo's a running back. He can't run roots. He says that uh, he's going to lock down Debo and that Debo shouldn't be friendly to CJGJ when they see each other. There's real beef between the Lions and the 49ers. And quite frankly, I'm here for it. These are two of the best teams in the NFC right now. Two of the three best teams, and I want them to go at it. I want them to to be at each other's throats. You know, we've seen a ton of fights in the NFL this week specifically. I'm ready for the tensions to flare, man. I'm ready for I'm ready for Miles Garrett to swing a helmet again. I'm ready for it all. Tensions are starting to flare in the NFL here in week seven, going into week seven, and I'm excited about it. I think that we're going to get some real. Some real haymaker football, some real, some real gritty, rough and tumble kind of ru-ha-ha football coming down the pike here. And I couldn't be more excited. I want these Lions and 49ers to meet up in the playoffs. My gosh. Debo and CJ GJ in the playoffs. There's gonna be a fist fight on the field. It's gonna be like uh oh, now I can't, I can't remember. And Ghost of Jason, feel free to hop in if you can. Who was the wide receiver who had his chain snatched on the field by a defensive back, and then they started fighting? It was probably 7, 8, 10 years ago. I don't ah. recall. Ghost of Jason not helpful on this on this topic. If any of you, any of you out there listening, you know, I bet Jerry in Louisville knows. I bet my guy Jerry remembers because I think it was a Houston Texan, if I remember correctly. I think Jerry probably remembers. So Jerry, hit me up on social media on on X at Sam underscore Yarnell. Shoot me a DM. Shoot me a tweet. Tell me who that fight was between because I can see the video in my head of the of the wide receiver running the route and just getting kind of caught up. And then after the game, or I'm sorry, after the play, the cornerback the snatches his chain and then the wide receiver just swings on him. I can see it crystal clear in my head. Hit me up, at Sam underscore Yarnell. Throw me the answer. We'll get the video in the show tomorrow because everyone deserves to see that fight. It was a great fight. One of the all-time NFL fights. All right, enough enough about NFL beef. We got to get to my favorite NFL head coach. Speaking of the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel's an electric factory. Mike McDaniel's the most fun coach in the NFL, hands down. I want to hate him so badly. I want to not like that guy more than almost anything. I want to not like that guy almost as much as I want the Bills to win a Super Bowl. And I just can't bring myself to do it. I mean, when the reporter asked him about how how they're, you know, having a historic year in in week 6, of the season a historic year offensively and he goes well you know that's it that was our season goal offensive output through five weeks it's just stuff like that the guy is, is making America love him he's becoming America's coach and that was only evidenced more this weekend when he was mic'd up we should have the clip of it here some of his interactions on the sideline but I just love watching this guy coach go ahead and take a listen that five's widened out there butch why don't you say that? LOL. Isn't that fun? Go score. Come to score. Score. Hey, hey. Touchdown, Miami.
1: All Oh, thanks, buddy. You gotta stay hydrated. Yo, 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 yo. Hey, sir. Wait for it.
0: Time out. <laughs> I'm fighting myself, and myself is winning. Isn't that all of us sometimes? Don't we all just think I'm fighting myself today and myself is winning? Like that was the most relatable piece of content I, I've ever seen. I want to get this guy on the show more than I I need I need to get this guy on the show more than I need air when I wake up in the morning. Uh Mike McDaniel's awesome. And I hate the Dolphins, and he's awesome. Uh, there's another clip, if you watch the extended version of that video, which I highly recommend going to do. The Dolphins social media team put out a whole three-and-a-half-minute cut of him mic'd up on the sideline this week. And there's one point <laughs> where he walks up to the guy who holds the chain, the, the chain gang, as they're called. They wear these bright-colored vests. Uh, while they hold the chain so that everyone knows that they're not members of the sideline. And McDaniel walks up to him and he goes, Oh yeah, I almost wore that same vest today. It was just an awesome moment. Uh, Mike McDaniel's great. And and I, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Dolphins fans. As much as I don't like the Dolphins, I know that Dolphins fans, you know, I'm very good friends with a few Dolphins fans. I, I know that they've been through it for Gosh, since Matt Moore, since the Matt Moore experience, which was 15 years ago at this point, it feels like. I, I know it's been a, a struggle for Dolphins fans over the last however long. I'm right there with you as a Bills fan, and I'm very happy that they've got Mike McDaniel to lead them out of the darkness that they were seemingly in. All right, couple of notes here to wrap things up. Three main things I wanted to get to before we end the show. First of all, The Falcons are doing this new thing this year where they've got a drone that like must be on a track in the roof of Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and it's doing drone shots of all these different plays, and they're absolutely sick. Like They're just ridiculously cool. The one that came out this week was Calais Campbell's 100th career sack, uh, and it's just an awesome video. The angle is unique, unlike anything we've ever seen before. It's better than the Skycam because you're actually on top of the player, looking down at them and how they move. They did it early in the season with a B. John Robinson touchdown. I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for the Falcons drone shots. Falcons social media team, if you're listening, keep them coming, man, because they are one of my favorite things about football social media uh, so far this season. Another note, Bears Chargers not flexed out of Sunday night football week eight. The NFL had a deadline they had to meet uh, yesterday that they had to decide whether or not they were going to flex the Bears-Chargers game out of Week 8 Sunday Night Football, and they decided not to. I haven't even looked at the other games going on in Week 8, but I can tell you right now, Bears-Chargers is not a primetime game. That screams 425 start, bet the under, bet the Bears getting probably 10.5 points in that game. That is a 4.25 p.m. game, not an 8 o'clock game. We're all going to now have to suffer watching through that together. I don't know what kind of betting angle I'm going to take on that game. It's going to be horrible. But Bears-Chargers is your Sunday night football game in Week 8. Thanks, Uncle Roger. Thanks, NFL. Last thing to get you out of here with, this is something that I saw on Reddit this morning that I just needed to share. So there's been so much talk lately about the NF or about the MLB and having a flawed playoff system, and I saw someone write an article on on what they would do if they could change any other league's playoff system, and this was the most interesting idea, and I'm kind of here for it. We're calling it the Super Duper Wild Card. Essentially, the concept is that in instead of each one seed the AFC and NFC one seed getting a bye they play a game against the worst seed from each of those conferences right so last season it would have been uh either the eagles or the niners or whoever the AFC's one seed or the NFC's one seed was against like the commanders or not the commanders like the the falcons or the cardinals uh I'd be so here for that because 90% of the time the one seed would win, right? But that 10% of the time when the 16 seed takes out the one, that is going to be awesome football. I would be so here for that. It would make the NFL more money. Um, I think it's a great idea. I don't think anyone's ever going to go for it. I don't think it's realistic at all. But if it were, I would get behind it hands down in the snap of my fingers. Um, I think it's a cool idea. I, I'd i love to see it, even if it were, were for just a season. That's going to do it for the Sports Wrap on this Wednesday. Thanks again to JJ Beal from AM New York Sports for joining us in the first segment. Bet on the... Ooh, bet on the Jonahheim homer tonight. Bet on the Jonahheim homer tonight. That's my play. That's my play of the night. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Jason will be back. I'll be back. We'll break down Thursday night football. Uh, And maybe we'll get a guest on the show. Maybe Matt Vertoram will stop by. We'll see. That'll do it for me. We will see you tomorrow, same time, same channel for another edition of the Sports Wrap.